Hey everyone, before the show, I've got a bit of a special announcement. You may remember that we had Kendra Winchester on our show a couple of times, both for an episode on Read Appalachia and an episode on Appalachian Expats. Wanted to let you know that she is going to be having a podcast coming out at the beginning of next year called Read Appalachia. It's going to be all about Appalachian literature. We're very excited about it, and we wanted to let you know so that you can get ahead of the game. If you want to learn more, you can go to readappalachia.com slash support hyphen us. That will be in the show notes so that you can go there. So go there and check her out, support her. And uh, this may not be the last year because we've got a potential project that we're working on a special one with Reed Appalachia that we're excited to tell you all about soon. With that, let's get into our show. And this intro music is from Clover Lynn, the person that we are interviewing in today's show. You may know her as Hillbilly Gothic on TikTok. Well, first, let's talk about the big news is Appalachian State, some redemption against a bigger school and uh, Appalachian State, your alma mater. I've never been there. It's a beautiful campus. I wish I could say the same about my alma mater, Shepherd University. It is It is not. I, I am so excited, like, about the last week, like, what it has done. I was, uh, when college game day, when they were going through, this was what I was about to tell you, um, when they were going through all of the segments about Boone and about what makes it special and about the football team and about the student population, I was just like sitting there crying because App State has been so looked down on for so long. And like everybody was like, Callie, you're going to App State instead of like another one of the big universities where, in North Carolina. Can I, can I ask you where, where did most of, okay. So how big was your graduating class? Um, we had like 300 kids probably oh okay so you didn't go to like a super small school okay yeah it was it was um, like a pretty normal size school yeah so where did most of the kids go that graduated like they went to college um I would say there was a big group of um like the the honors students who went to UNC Chapel Hill I think that's kind of okay. the biggest one um and then Western Carolina University Interesting. Yeah. And then there were just, there were like, um, I think there were four of us that went to App State. Really? Only four? That's, okay, that is surprising to me because I would have thought that there would be a lot more. Um, Not a lot of my graduating huh. class went to college, I think is like the main thing there. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. That makes more um, sense. But it was just amazing to see like this school that, you, that I love so much that I have like gone to Capitol Hill and sat next to somebody who went to Yale and I represented upstate and like I've always been so proud to have gone there I, I loved it when I was there I love it now I just was I had full body chills that entire that entire college game day and it's just been the most incredible week for upstate that's amazing. Well, let's let's actually back up and talk about it because so it's actually been a wild, I guess, like week and a half, really, maybe two weeks, yeah, since um everything went down. So to start, all right, background: you went to Appalachian State University in the great town of Boone, North Carolina, right. in beautiful Western North Carolina. Very jealous, as I've expressed, and um, they pay so. 
This is something that's interesting, and I don't know the full background of this, but I guess like teams, schools that are in a lower tier of like lower competitive tier in college athletics, again, sidebar, I don't know much about sports, so you're... I can hop in. (laughs) Great. You you can. Please do. So um, if you are um, gearing up for your your regular season, a lot of the bigger schools, um, like the Power Five teams, the Big Ten teams, will pay... Um, folks from like the Sunbelt Conference, which is where App State is, which is a lower conference, um, same division, but lower conference, um, will they'll pay those those schools to come and play against them. This is what happened in 2007 when App State had this incredible win against Michigan. This happened again. So App State already, that, that win in 2007 is considered one of the top three uh, biggest upsets in college football history. So it was it was national news. It was everywhere. It was huge. Um, they call it the David and Goliath story. And uh, I heard somebody say, I can't take credit for this, but um, they said that that David has since been in the gym and has been has been getting pretty jacked. And so App State is recruiting. We're recruiting like three star players um, for like from football like programs all across the country. And um, so Texas A&M, who was ranked number six, uh, they... In the country. In, in the, the whole country, country. In the country. They paid they paid App State $1.5 million to go to College Station to kick their ass this year. It was incredible. It was so incredible. So that's our first, our first time knocking out a top 10 uh, college in the country since 2007. And um, App State... You just can never count us out, my man. You just can't. Well, and it was really special considering the um, the pep rally before the game with Texas A&M, which we shared yeah. on TikTok, then it got taken this. down. Yeah. It got taken down for hate speech or something, harmful behavior. I don't even remember yeah. what it was. It was like bullying, yeah. Yeah, we, we had shared, um, you had shared the, the video of that and your reaction to it. Um, so care to elaborate? Yeah. So, um, you can still find it on our Instagram if you want to go, um, and, and look this up. They have this midnight yell, which is what they, they call it. And they, um, they come and get their team and their fans excited for the game the next day. So this, this event happens the night before. And there was, um, a clip that I saw and the one that I reacted to, um, they said that, Appalachia is not even like a real place or they said it's not a state which is a bad joke it's just a bad joke but then it moves into like actually harmful I appreciated it actually I did appreciate that because it was a bad joke and I'm a yeah it was a bad joke um but then they they start talking about how like they're gonna they're gonna kick App State's ass because they know that half the players on the team can't even read the names on their jerseys and that that um, mm-hmm. that that they're just a hillbilly college like any hillbilly college that makes their mountain a mountaineer their mascot, um, just like real troublesome things were were said. Yeah, it, it they went in pretty deep there, like with those stereotypes. Which, like, first of all, I'm like, I, you know, we don't cancel people on this show. I, I'm not into canceling. Right. Um, and, and I'm into humor. I really am. And I think like there's a place to make fun of different groups and organizations, stuff like that. Like, I'm fine with it. Even Appalachia, yeah. make a joke, but make it fucking right. original. Be smart about it instead of and 
Yeah, exactly. And this is what like this is what drives me crazy. One of many things about Bill Morris, he'll like, every time he talks about West Virginia or Kentucky, he'll just use like the incest stereotype, which it's like, of course, you're a professional comedian. Come up with some real content. Yeah. Yeah. These are old. These are tired. Um, so, yeah, we posted that. We reacted to it. Um, I mean, I did think that they owed Abstate an apology. Uh, again, I agree with you. I'm not into canceling, but we still haven't gotten an apology. So the but the true but the true like kind of cherry on the top of this was that once App State won um college game day which is the the is huge ESPN show that that airs on Saturdays um from like 9am to noon they have these hosts that travel all over the country to host this um it was supposed to be in college station it was supposed to be at Texas A&M but App State not only did they take their win not only did they take their 1.5 mil, <laughs> but they also took the national coverage from ESPN's College Game Day. And I have never seen a crowd like that in Boone. I It was so sweet. the most people I have ever seen. I had friends texting me who went to like other schools all, like d- that have never been App State fans that oh. were like, we're driving to Boone. We're App State fans for the day. And they were like wearing all of their their gold and black. And it was just like, it was so beautiful. It was amazing. And our students showed up and I think they really represented us well. The college did an incredible job. Um, And the college also gave away like to the best sign. They ended up giving away free college tuition to three people for a year. What? Which was amazing. Yeah. Holy shit. Just for a sign? Yeah, for the best sign. God damn. Okay. All right. Well, there are some really good yeah, signs App State, there too. Yeah, App State is a, App State is a really cool place, um, and I encourage everybody to go there because it is awesome. Love to see it. So I, I just a moment of pride for your alma mater, really just knocking it out of the park, and they got a win this week too. Yeah, yeah, win this week um, in ridiculous fashion um they scored a touchdown in the final two seconds on like a hail mary pass holy shit it's called the yeah it's called miracle on the mountain the sequel um so if you haven't seen the clip of the radio announcers losing their absolute minds you should definitely go check it out yeah um so app states had a really big two weeks it's been awesome a, a really good two weeks for app state and really good two weeks for appalachia i would argue um Great yeah. stuff. The best two weeks we've ever had for the name. Um, I heard announcers on several different stations saying, oh, it's Appalachia, which is great because like in this Ooh. case, it is a proper noun. It is a proper noun and it is pronounced Appalachian State. Fuck yeah. I love to see that. That was amazing. Honestly. I, and I didn't know anything about like, again, I don't follow sports very well. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. I'm <laughs> sorry. Maybe I'm going to start following some obscure sport like Hialeah or something just so I can say that I follow sports. But uh, it was a great win for them. A great win for the region. We love to see it. Also, do you want to give some context to your voice real quick before we move into everything? Yeah, sorry everyone. Um, I went around people <laughs> for the, like the first time in a while. I actually went to visit my my best friend Allie, who just had a baby a few months ago, and she's transitioning to going back to work. And of course, being around babies, uh, you get sick. So I am sick um, and miserable, but very happy to be here. Um, I actually I haven't talked to Chuck very much this week, so it's it's really good to see you. It's good to see you too. I'm very excited to be here. I'm sorry that you're feeling terrible. Well, 
We've got a great episode today. We're talking about Clover Lynn. We're talking to Clover Lynn, who is an incredible banjo player, an incredible TikTok creator, and what sounds like an incredible person. Again, I could not be here for this interview either, which makes me... I think this is like three interviews in a row where I haven't been available for, and I'm very upset by it, because this is one that I really wanted to be there for, but obligations got in the way. She she is so fucking cool i am i mean she plays the banjo like a fucking riot and she's got a matte black banjo which just i mean that makes me very excited well uh so so you did a great interview with with her we really loved it in fact you're you're hooking her up with your dad who i think we're gonna see the next great bluegrass star right here on this show yes very exciting we've also got under the radar on appalachia about cannabis aka marijuana aka weed you're not gonna want to miss that but first we've got our list we do lists on this show every week now and this list is a good one Mm -hmm. the best wild and weird festivals and events in appalachia i mean what a better way to kick this episode off i don't know about you I, I'm so into this. Um, these, this was like pretty hard to narrow down. It was. There are some really kind of just out there things that happen in Appalachia, and I love it. So, starting out at number five, wild and weird festival. This is a wild and weird one. This is the Collinsville Historic Turkey Trot in Collinsville, Alabama. What does that even mean? What is a turkey trot? Wait, okay, so have you never, so there's a lot of towns that do turkey trots. Usually it's like a 5K on Thanksgiving Day. We've, okay. I, Parkersburg does a turkey trot. I turkey trot with my dad and my sister all the time growing up. I feel like that is like a, like a healthy family thing to do. And we stuffed our faces on Thanksgiving and did not walk at all. We did not run the entire thing. Let me just gotcha. be clear. I, we were not that healthy. It was just kind of a fun time. You got a free shirt if you did it. My Uncle Joey was the arbiter of the River City Runners Club, so we did it to support mm. him. Okay, that makes sense. Anyway, this one is different from most turkey trots. What makes it unique is that there is a turkey toss, which I thought was kind of fun, from, from the roof of a building in downtown Collinsville. Is it a cooked turkey? So, okay, I thought it was. And this is kind of where it is a little bit of a bummer. So at the end of the day's festivities, crowds gather on the main street for the historic turkey toss, where in keeping with modern sentiments, Beanie Baby turkeys are launched from the roof of a downtown business. Unclear why this is. Wait, do Beanie Babies, do they still make those? I don't know. I guess, maybe. Well, that feels... They were big in the 90s. Like, we had a... Fuck ton so of many. babies. I thought it was an investment. It's, it's not. I did too. I, it. I thought it was going to pay for my college. Yeah, me too. It's a real bummer. Yeah, it's some bullshit. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's not the highlight. This The highlight for me is this, which I freaking loved. The festival's highlight involved forcing the turkeys, I'm assuming this is real turkeys, to walk a 20 foot, 25 foot high, 10 foot long plank encouraged by a man wearing a top hat, cracking a buggy whip, and poking them with sticks. What? That is so wild. Again. They don't do that. Unclear yeah. why. Also, like, walking a plank, I feel like, is is like a very, like, seafaring town thing to do. It is, but it's like, and then, like, 
they most people didn't even walk a plank. Like if you study Blackbeard, there was no plank walking. Yeah. It was just they pushed you off the boat and left you to die or something. Yeah. Not not a super wholesome guy, Blackbeard. Um, I no, and I never participated in a turkey trot that involved trotting across a bow. Yeah, I've never heard of this. This is. Um, I really would. I really would like to know if somebody's been to this festival. Like what this what us. this actually looks like. So like forcing them to walk the plane. I mean, turkeys like they can't fly. I mean, I guess they could flutter down. No. So like they could flutter down, so they'd be fine. I assume. Or is this, or is this marching turkeys to their deaths? Well, that's what's unclear to me because twenty five feet high, like that's not insignificant. What is that like? Three stories, I, two stories, probably. Yeah, like two, two, three stories. Maybe. I have no idea, but I mean, fluttering. I mean, they could probably flutter that much, but there's a high chance of grievous bodily harm to the turkey. I think. Yeah. Well, this is anyway. Uh, it sounds like fun, though. Sounds like fun. Kind of dark. Kind of, <laughs> kind of dark, but fun. Yeah. Let us know if you've ever been. Send us pictures, please. Yeah, talk about wild and weird. Yeah, number four, very wild, very strange. Don't understand it fully, but number four, the Woolly Worm Festival in Banner Elk, North Carolina. You're the one that brought this one up. Oh, my God. The Woolly Worm Festival. So I, if you grew up in Appalachia, I'm assuming they're all throughout Appalachia, You, uh, you and you liked bugs like me. Um, you, you grew up seeing these little brown and black there. They had, they're hairy. They are, they literally are like, it's not really wool ish. It's they're hairy and they're big, um, like worms They're They turn into moths. I think, um, I don't quote me on that. They're, they're cute. So, but they're not harmful and they're adorable and people love them. And in Banner Elk and in Western North Carolina, they're kind of like, revered like you don't step on them ever like you don't mess with woolly worms like you let them live their lives and so um this festival i have literally been to this festival and it is just art and music and food and dancing all about woolly worms since 1978 this quirky world famous festival has been used to predict the upcoming winter weather for the north carolina high country don't really understand the connection but according to legend the 13 bands on the woolly worm woolly bear caterpillar apparently represents the 13 weeks of winter the brown bands indicate a mild week the black bands indicate a cold snowy week i've never heard of this this is like groundhog day only for well i didn't know that this was the reason yeah and groundhog day in appalachia so we predict the weather all over the place since every woolly worm has different colors the woolly worm festival holds races to determine which worm is going to be used to make the forecast I did witness the race. And the winning hilarious. the winning worm receives a thousand dollars and the honor of predicting the upcoming winter. I don't understand like is there are there owners of the worms like who gets the money? Yeah, so you like enter a worm, you go out into the woods and you find yourself a banging worm. Banging worm. Yeah, and and you bring that worm in your little like I used to have a little like um plastic case that had like a top there's a good picture of it i'll have to give it to you of me just like having my little plastic worm case did you win and i did not win damn it ah yeah we should enter it but i i can't i actually think that i should i think yes you think i should you have a domicile there you go down there 
Get yourself a worm. Get a good one. Don't fuck around with like some bullshit kind of frumpy looking okay. worm. Get a nice lean one. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, this year. It's October fifteenth and sixteenth. So you got time. Maybe I will get it. Like a, I got time to go and find a good worm. Get it a, like a little Apodlatcha flag, though. You know, we got to get the branding there. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like a little T-shirt. Yeah, just like a just little like, like, little thing. He won't be able to win. He won't win. No, no. I mean, like, but like when they put him on the winner's podium afterwards, then you give him the shirt. Because the pit paper yeah, will be yeah, there. He gets but pictures. it is so fun. It sounds it is, fun. It is so fun. I'm jealous. I want to do this. Yeah. And if anybody wants to enter this, please let us know. Live stream it. My God. Why haven't we mm. done this? Live stream the Wooly Worm Festival. If you're near Banner Elk in October, we'll send you some merch. We'll send you a sticker if you do it. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. But moving on to number three, this one, not a lot of information about it, but I'm into it. The Wood Booger Festival in Wise County, Virginia. I, I took me so long to pronounce that. What is a wood booger? I don't know. What I do. Okay, I'm going to tell you, actually. So I kind of know. So All right. this festival, the Wood Booger Festival, is an annual festival held in fall in, in uh, Norton, Virginia, at the Flag Rock Recreational Area. I know many people have been there. The festival mm-hmm. celebrates the Wood Booger, a mythical Bigfoot-like creature rumored to roam Flag Walk Flag, fuck, I knew I was going to mess it up at some point. Flag Rock Recreation Area in Southwest Virginia. The that wood is so cool. booger. That's all the information I have. But I'm I want to go. I live in Virginia now. I want to go to this because yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta imagine it's like an offshoot of Bigfoot, like an alt yeah. Bigfoot. This needs to be a cryptid bonus episode. Um, Absolutely, we should go to the Wood Booger Festival. This is so. What happens? Is it just like a? Like, what happens at the Wood Booger Fest? Do they look for the Wood Booger? I know that there's a Wood wow. Booger Burger. It's like an actual restaurant. That's fun. Okay, so known locally as the Wood Booger, the city erected the, a statue, and Norton City Council designated the recreation area a Wood Booger Sanctuary following a visit by Animal Planet's Finding Bigfoot TV show. And in 2011, the show spent a week in Southwest Virginia filming an episode that features scenes from High Knob as well as Washington County, Damascus, and Saltville. Since then, the city has embraced the mythical creature with local businesses selling Wood Booger merch and the establishment of the Wood Booger Festival held each year. According to a newspaper from the Old Post, on November 24th, 1892, the creature was given the name Wood Booger after the boogeyman because it was rumored to carry off children who wandered off into the woods at night. Fuck yeah. Right on. Love it. Yeah. To answer your question about the search, I did go onto the Internet Archive and I found some intel and there is indeed a search and I'm I'm happy to share it here. All right. So there's all sorts of activities and food and drink vendors to choose from while at the recreation area activities include games, hay rides, fucking love hay rides, activities, guided walks, marshmallow roasting games and more attendees will be able to purchase the popular wood, wood burger, fuck, wood burger God damn it. Wood burger, t-shirts and hoodies, canoe rides for the kids, all this kinds of shit. The main attraction is the guided night walk in search of the elusive wood booger. 
Along the way, you will hear tales of the mysterious creature that roams the area. Fun for the whole fit. This is a fucking ghost tour. I'm so into it. I want to go. Okay, so I found the I found a picture of the statue that they erected for it. It it is I sent it to you. It's like the most jacked Bigfoot I have ever seen. Like it's got an eight pack. Let's see here. Let's see what this. Oh my god. Oh shit. Yeah, he's. Oh my god. He looks great. He works out. He one hundred percent. Yeah. No. Sexy Bigfoot. This is like literally all you it need is sexy to know is Bigfoot. that it's sexy Like he's Bigfoot. got like fuck yeah, man. He's doing work. He, his body is a temple. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. This is an amazing festival, and I want to go as well. Well, I want to go to this, and I want to go to this next thing. It, it was in a place I've actually been to. I've, I've never heard of it, though. I'm really upset that I haven't heard of it. It's in Cashers, North Carolina. It looks like Cashiers, but it's pronounced Cashers. I do remember that. Outhouse Races. You heard it correctly. Ironically, it takes place at the Sapphire Valley Ski Resort where people go to experience the finer things in life, according to the website. So these are outhouse races. You make your own outhouse, which sounds awesome. It can be made of wood, cardboard, plastic, or any homemade items. Three people to a team. And outhouses are secured on a set of skis. And these skis are pushed by two members while one team member sits inside of the outhouse. This sounds awesome fucking awesome I, I just am like trying to figure out how we can make a team i this we is, need one more person this is incredible well i i mean does dogs I, count because we could put frankie in there have you seen the pictures yeah they're awesome they're fucking awesome this looks so fun oh my god i'm sorry my voice is getting squeakier that um, they're, the outhouses are equipped with a seat with at least one hole. These are regulation rules. It has to have yeah. a seat with at least one hole, a roll of toilet paper, or an alternative wiping source. Mm. Very important. Gotta have an alternative wiping source. Yeah, could be poison ivy if you want. Could be your hand, I guess. I don't know. I love, like, Not some sure of these are, role. like, really punny. So, like, one of them is called the Royal Flush, and it's like a king I like sitting it. in an outhouse. Probably King Charles. <laughs> Hey oh, royal burn. <laughs> Topical. There you go. Um, this looks so fun. It's in February. We still have time. We have time. We have, we have time. plenty of time. We've got the, the whole time in the world for this. Oh We've my got god! Five we months. Need an, we need an app. Six. Lots of team. Okay, if you're near Cashers, that is Western North Carolina. Actually, um, like it's a little bit away from Asheville. I've been there. It's a great place. Um, so how how does the race actually work though? Well, like those are the regulations, but like what is what what are okay. what does a racetrack look like? All right, it's a good question. It's a great question. Um, so first of all, I, I would just like to comment: this is the redneck remake of Cool Runnings. If you've seen that with John Candy, great <laughs> great movie. The race is it's two lane track on packed snow or on ice with two teams racing each other head to head over a length of approximately 120 feet. 40 yards, about a little less than half the length of a football field. The first 30 feet being propelled by the pushers and the last 90 under its own gravitational power. It's kind of like bobsled meets curling. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Sort of. But without houses. Without houses, yeah, and with, with less broom action. You know what? With my background in science, I feel like we could fuck it up. Like we could, we could really, really 
just we could win. Yeah, I think we could. I did do pumpkin drops in middle school where you drop pumpkins and try to get them to survive off the West Virginia State Capitol. So I am kind of qualified. Oh, that's cool. That's not what I thought it was going to be. I think we just need to enter all of these contests. We're going to win at one point. Yeah. Yeah. You you miss every shot you don't take. Yep, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I think that was uh, Ted Bundy that said that. <laughs> but speaking of shots you don't take, you're definitely going to need some shots, some boosters before going to this final festival. Yeah, this one is... Oh, boy, I'm excited. You're going to need some booster shots, some yellow fever shots for this. Number one, the winner, the roadkill cook-off in Pocahontas County West by God, Virginia, you know, in Marlinton. This is a good one. This is a real good one. I have I had never heard of anything like this ever in my entire life. This is so wild. It is, it's wild. It's great. At the annual roadkill cook-off in the West Virginia town of Marlinton, chefs compete to see who can make the tastiest dishes with animals often found by the side of the road. Attendees wander stall to stall, indulging in the likes of fried venison wontons, snapping turtle stew, teriyaki marinated bear, and squirrel gravy over biscuits. All of those sounded amazing, first yeah, of all. Yeah, I would try all of those, I think, yeah. Yeah, oh, 100%. Now, it's not required that the ingredients be actual roadkill, um, per, probably That's for legal plus. reasons. That's a plus. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think so. But they must be the sort of animals that commonly find themselves the victims of traffic accidents. So possums, groundhog, deer, rabbit, crow, squirrel, turkey. And while contestants cannot pre-cook their protein, they must pre-clean and pre-skin everything. Visitors strolling the grounds might see snakes sizzling on barbecue grills and thick Brown broths bubbling with black bear stew. Wow. Um, Big fan. Love it already. I I just, I love how all of these have very specific, like, parameters, which it just makes it all that, it makes it that much better that they're like, it has to be this way. Like, yeah. these are the rules for entry. Um, I just think that's, that's fascinating that you'd be so serious about something like a roadkill cook-off. But I just, I want to go because this sounds so ridiculous. Like, like what is the, what is the ambiance? Do they just have like, like a sign with like a, like a possum on its back with X's over its eyes, like a cartoon possum? Do they try and make it cute? Uh, I would love to go to this. Honestly, it, that shit sounded amazing. So I would try every single thing at this festival. I want to go to it. I want to find out when the next one is, and we're going to do something there. This is some good old-fashioned country folk. I love that the menus that I'm seeing are like written on just like scrap wood. <laughs> Hell yeah. I also love that all of these festivals, most of them don't have a website. They just have a Facebook page. A Facebook and that's page. what tells you it is legit. Yeah. Yeah. This is um, this is such an amazing. Well, I believe it's next weekend. If you're listening to this episode when it comes out on September 20th, Marlinton, West Virginia. I think it's near Snowshoe. So if you live near there, go to it. Take some pics, tag us in it. Let us know how it is. Do some samples. Uh, I would love to go. Can't, but I would love to. So, And uh, I'll be internally jealous of anybody that does. All of these are just like the most incredible microcosms of 
culture and hilarity. I just love it. Yeah, same. I love it too. I love this list. I want to go to all of these. Please send us pictures if you've been or plan on going and let us know how they are. Moving into our announcements, they're going to be very short this week. So as you notice, Callie, um, her voice a little bit gone. That's okay. We don't fault her for it. It's a baby's fault. We're going to blame a baby for it. Anyway... So we actually have four new Patreon members, Cecilia, Phil C., Savannah, and Colleen, and you all are going to get your limericks next week. So be prepared. And our Patreon- I promise I will be better by then. Absolutely. And if you join our Patreon, you will also get a custom limerick. Our Patreon is how we fund this beautiful operation. You can join for as low as a dollar a month, and you will get a wonderful custom limerick as well as other exclusives, um, both from us, but also from our dear co-host, Callie Pruitt. Um, those will be coming next week as well as reviews. We, um, we encourage you to leave reviews on Apple podcasts, leave a written one with five stars and we will send you some merch in the mail. We have several reviews this week from Evan Stern, NYC, Mary G Jade and Crozette Odea, as well as Chicky Cosplay, which we'll be reading next week as well. But if you have left a written review, Please DM us and we will send you some merch. Uh, if you have not received yours yet, it's because I'm waiting for more stickers to come in the mail. And I'll be sending to the, sending you them as soon as those get in. Also, we have another announcement. As you know, our sponsor, Cornbread Hemp, Cornbread Hemp CBD. We love them. We're also going to put off a full ad until next week when Callie's voice is recovered. But we want you to know that we changed our promo code. It is no longer Applaud Latcha. It is Banjo. B-A-N-J-O. Banjo. Use that to get 25% off your order at cornbreadhemp.com. They have a, a plethora of CBD products, including oil, balm, CBD oil for your pets, and the delicious gummies, which they're coming out with a new flavor next month. It's going to be so good. It's going to be amazing. I'm very excited to try it. Jim is going to send us some. He's also going to be coming back on this show because he's got some other exciting news to share with us. But... Check out cornbreadhemp.com. Use the promo code B-A-N-J-O, Banjo, to get 25% off your order. Banjo like Banjo, Kazooie like Banjo the Instrument. That's right. All right, well, let's cruise right on into our interview. Again, I was not able to attend this one or be a part of it, but I sincerely regret that. But Clover Lynn, an incredible talent, a, a rising young star, an important person in the tapestry of Appalachia. Callie, tell us a little bit about her before we get into it. Yeah, so Clover Lynn is the talent behind Hillbilly Gothic, which you all um, likely have seen um, their, her videos on, on TikTok and Instagram. Um, speaking with her was an absolute delight. Uh, I absolutely am keeping her as my new f best friend. Um, she was so much fun to speak with. She ha was just so, had so much love for the region, for our people, for the growth of what, like, what is happening in Appalachia right now? And um, being a trans woman, um, she had some incredible things to say about the reception that she has received in her hometown. Um, and I, I am just so excited to connect her. Like Chuck said, with my dad, we're going to get her um, to hopefully skyrocketing success because she's a fabulous, uh, fabulous banjo picker. So she will be playing at the for the first time at the International Bluegrass Music Association. Association Awards at the end of this month. So uh, check her out there um, and she'll likely be walking around with Mark Pruitt. That'll be great. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I just can't wait for y'all to hear this one. 
Amazing. I love that. And I am so happy that like you were able to connect her with your dad, who is an incredible banjo player in person, it sounds like. And I've never met him, but I want to. And um, and so without further ado, let's get into our interview with Clover Lynn. So today we have with us Clover Lynn, who you may know best as Hillbilly Gothic. That's how I knew her. This chick is bonkers cool. She's probably best known for playing the banjo loudly because there's really no other way to play the banjo over bigots on TikTok and Instagram. And she has a following of over a quarter million people on TikTok, which is wild. That is so cool. We're very excited to welcome her to the show. Welcome, Clover. Hi, Callie. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. I, I have been so excited for this interview for so long. I love your work. Um, you know me, I love the banjo. It's my favorite instrument. Um, uh-huh. And it is, I, I just, I can't get enough of your videos. Um, but I think folks are interested to know the person behind the the banjo picking. So we'd love to like first let you just talk about who you are, maybe a little bit about where you grew up and and what led you creatively to like where you are now. Absolutely. Uh, so my name is Clover Lynn, like I've kind of gone over. Uh, I grew up in a town called Bones Mill, Virginia, uh, which is um, the town center is probably about 30 minutes south of Roanoke, where I grew up was probably about 45 minutes from like Roanoke, um, pretty close to the Roanoke border. It's the west northwest side of Franklin County, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, which if uh, people out there do not know, it is the moonshine capital of the world. Um, so little very nice about my home county. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm from. It's a pretty small town. Uh, the town itself of Boone's Mill has. I think maybe like 200 people population wise, but that's not including the people like living outside of town in like rural areas like Blackwater, Callaway, uh, and I think like Magadies Creek, that kind of thing. Uh, so we've got a decent bit of population. Franklin County's population size is I think like 50,000. Um, it's a pretty big county, but it's a pretty small town within that county mm-hmm. uh, because we've got another town, which most people heard of, that's Rocky Mount, Virginia. Um, yeah. Yeah, and like Farron, Virginia is in there as well. So it's a big county, a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like where I grew up. Uh, I grew up in a big family. I'm the oldest of five kids. Um, let's see, in the house that I grew up when there was two families living, there was me, like my family, which was me and my four younger siblings. And then my uh, dad's sister uh, and her family. And the, now they have three kids. And at the time they had two kids. So we had about... 11 people growing up in my household. So, wow, that is a lot of people in a house, like one small house. So were you, did you start your creative process? Just like maybe just trying to get a minute to yourself, you know, what did it look like kind of learning how to play the banjo and, and becoming the artist you are today? Absolutely. Uh, so it's funny. I didn't even start playing banjo till I like moved away. Um, so I moved away from my County when I was, uh, I'd say 20. Uh, 1920 like that something like that I moved away to a big city um I moved to a big city out west and people made fun of me and at this time like I was suppressing my accent I was like pretending I wasn't from Appalachia like I mean I, I didn't lie about being like from the mountains but like I was like I was like oh it's like you know it's 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 like I'm not like those people like I'm not like you know my like 
family and stuff. And I would like suppress my accent and all this stuff. And then still things would like slip out, like the way I'd say Carolina or the way I'd, you know, I couldn't say, we had a friend who her name was Wynn. And I couldn't say like, I would say like Wynn and Wynn are the same word. People like, no, those are different words. And I was like, no, nope, that's the same word to me. Uh, <laughs> and I, could never, I could never say like oil with an I. I couldn't say oil very well. I couldn't like do it consistently. Yeah. Um, I had trouble when I was first trying to weed out my accent, which I I've tried to reverse that, but it's really hard, but I, I had a hard time with iron. And so like, I, <laughs> I'd be like, Oh, that's like studying, studying chemistry and be like, Oh yeah. Iron. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. So, um, what was it like? You said you were, you said you were made fun of a lot. Like, what was that experience like for you? So a lot of it wasn't like extremely malicious, but it would just be like little things like, okay. So like a a big little thing or big thing or whatever is like, I would listen to stuff like, you know, Okra Medicine Show or Avid Brothers, very generic folk music. And people would be like, you listen to this hick shit. And I was like, what? I was like, the Avid Brothers? No, this is this is where it like started me being like I was like if that's hick shit then like what on earth and like what did I grow up listening to because like Granny and Papa like you know Granny like Stanley Brothers Papa like Flat and Scruggs I listened to so much like first generation and pre first generation bluegrass yeah uh, like the stuff that like like the pre Bill Monroe like Mm -hmm. you know the Snuffy Jenkins stuff like Granny would listen to that sometimes and the fact that like that was what I was listening to which was like barely like folk music mixed with some rock is considered yeah. uh shit i was and it, it got to the point where i was like well why am i get made fun of no matter what I, and i'm feeling homesick i might as well just listen to like uh stanley brothers or you know flat and scrubs or bill monroe or yeah any of these people like i you you are speaking my language um I went through something so similar. I don't know if you've heard our bluegrass episode, but um, my, my dad's a banjo player. And uh, so I I had a very similar experience going to college and I like tried to listen to cool music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, I like all genres of music. I can appreciate good music um, for what it is, but like what really like hits my soul <laughs> is the old stuff. And, and so I totally, totally understand where you're coming from there. So is like Miss Sing home what inspired you to learn how to play the banjo it is so i grew up um are you familiar with like southwestern virginia too much a little bit okay so i grew up on virginia's heritage music trail which is the crooked road which is this like it's it spans from franklin county goes down to patrick county and then goes westward towards uh and it stops in dickinson county virginia it loops around the bottom half or the bottom like the bottom western side of Virginia. And Mm -hmm. so I grew up on that. So I grew up passing these songs all the time and hearing this music all the time. And it was always a banjo on the song. It was always a banjo. And so I, when I like was like, well, I miss home. What do I want to do? I was like, why don't I learn banjo? Why don't I just like, you know, pick it up, see, see what I can do with it. And just like, I never expected it to get to where it was today. If two and a half years ago, I would have looked at like me now, I would have been like, how are you playing that good? Cause like, that's what <laughs> I'm awesome. playing was two, two and a half, two and a half years ago now. And so wow. I just would not have expected it. That so. is amazing. Um, 
first of all, just like the banjo is a very hard instrument to play. So kudos to you for picking a really hard instrument and doing so well at it. Um, so I, I kind of want to pivot to your social media because that's how a lot of people know about you. So what was it that first inspired you to kind of put yourself out there and make the kind of videos that you make? So I'd say it started out originally of me just making dumb stuff. I think the first TikTok I ever had that blew up um, and at all was it was like what my parents expected from being like a, like when they gave birth to a boy in Southern Appalachia. And it was like all these pictures of like guys in trucks and like all this kind of stuff. And then like I finished out with a picture of like me. And I don't know if you remember that trend, like it was probably two and a half or maybe a year and a half on TikTok ago. Yeah. It was like people would be like the type of boys my parents expected me to date and then they ended up dating a woman. So it was like that, but it was like what I turned out to be. And it was me like, and I was like, I had like, like a pretty gothish outfit on. I had my makeup done and I had my banjo, like just as a picture, people were like, you play? And I was like, I'm okay, I guess. And people started asking me to play and stuff. And I was just, I was probably, God, I'd probably been playing for two, three months at the time because mm-hmm. I just moved back to Franklin County, um, back to my parents in Rocky Mount. And uh, so I just like, I didn't really know what I was doing too much. I played a little bit. And so I just kept practicing playing and practicing playing. And I put some stuff online. People were like, oh my God, please post more. And then like, I saw someone do a blender video where they like covered up. And I, I don't remember who it was, but it was someone talking about abortion. And it was some guy just being a guy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he just like, he said some dumb shit. And I like, was like, I was like, you know, I'm going to cover this banjo. That'd be really funny. Um, and then. And it was know. really funny. Yeah. <laughs> People <That's>, loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I That is so phenomenal. I, um, the first time that I, somebody sent me one of your videos, I was like, all right, I can get down with this chick. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, you're a pretty unique presence, like to say the least, I think (laughs) online. (laughs) And so I, have you always had a Gothic style? Like I would love to, I I mean, your, your outfits are amazing. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to have you on the show to talk about music, (laughs) queer stuff. I wanted to talk about your outfits. I just like Mm -hmm. everything about you is wonderful. So like, what like it's not a typical style for Appalachia but it's not a typical style really anywhere so like how did you find your personal style oh god um so I guess it started when I was in like I was really so I've always liked dark aesthetics from like a fairly younger age even when I couldn't express that my favorite movie as a five-year-old was The Village and my mom was always like why does this little kid want to watch The Village all the time (laughs) it's like my favorite movie I just thought it was pretty and I like the thing I remember the most about that movie when I was a kid and really enjoying it was that color red Mm-hmm. Like, uh, have you seen the village? Yeah. Okay. So like, you know, the color red of the cloaks that the, like the right. monster has mm-hmm. uh, possible spoiler alert for anyone who has not watched the, the movie. The movie's like 15 years old. I, yeah, I, I feel like people probably <laughs> same. but yeah. So, and I just, I remember that color red and I always really like that color red mm-hmm. and that's translated today to like the t- style of red I like, but so then like, um, I kind of like, kind of grew up with like a lot of horror movies, even when I wasn't always allowed to watch them. I remember my uncle who lived with us, my, my aunt's uh, uh, boyfriend at the time, I, or I guess, no, they were married by the time we were living together. You don't want to be living in sin. In <laughs> Virginia, but like, so. God uh, forbid. 
he moved in and he had a, the original PlayStation. He played Resident Evil and he would like be like, no, you can't watch this. But I remember like peeking around the corner and like watching it because I was so interested in like this horror stuff. Um, and I was always, my dad is what you would consider like probably a prep neck if y'all had those. Mm, um, yeah. So my dad is like, he's a, he's a, he coaches basketball, softball, golf, just about any sport that he can coach. He's a teacher. So he has to dress up, but he's also kind of like, you know, he grew up very country. He grew up in a tobacco field. Like I come from like a sharecropping family. Mm -hmm. So like we have a lot of like different, so like I was always expected to be very like presentable because like Mm -hmm. my family had this thing, like if you don't look presentable, then like people are going to look down on you. You don't want to look unkempt. I was like, Unkempt or unkept. I don't remember what that and I, was. Well, and I feel I, I I relate to that just because I think in Appalachia, children are, it's not so much like you're your own entity. Like you were always a representative of the family. Um, and at least that was like for me, you know, because my, my dad had some visible, like he was pretty a, like a visible member of the community. And so my my mom, like she would always be like, think about, you know, what you're doing when you're out there and I, because of that. And like, I, I, I never did anything bad ever. And like, I had to get my wild streak out in my early twenties. Cause like, I never, I was like, so scared. Yep. No, I totally. So it's worried. Like, no, I don't know about work, but it's, um, it's, I don't know how much you look like your dad. Um, very much. Okay. I, there's something. But I'm, yeah. Apple. But like, yeah. <laughs> There is something about Appalachian men and like their genetics, because even my ex looks like a spin image of their father. And like, they're also from Southwestern Virginia. And it's something about, I don't know, Appalachian men or something, just like their genetics are strong. Cause like people, I'd like walk like down the road or I'd be in school or something. People without knowing my name, they'd be like, oh, that is Brian's kid. (laughs) And then I'm not going to talk about my last name, but like, you know, that is is Brian's kid right there. And so it it translates to this day where people like, people don't recognize me as pre, as a transition. Like they recognize, they don't recognize me as who I used to be. They don't recognize me as that boy, but they still recognize me as one of Brian's kids. That is so cool. Yeah. So people always like that's that's one of Brian's kids, but so I guess back to the, how the thing developed is like, I was always supposed to dress like kind of preppy. And then like, I was, as I slowly got older, I would dress a little bit more like traditional or a little more like, um, seen less trad golf. And then as I got older, I almost went through, I went through like a preppy phase right before I transitioned where I wore like bow ties and suits and stuff like this, because like, it was like my last ditch effort to like appear masculine yeah. because I was like, I was like, something's up why do I feel so uncomfortable? I was like, well, if I go hyper-masculine, I'll just like, so I would wear like suits and like stuff like that and be very hyper-masculine. I was like, and like, I still felt terrible the entire time. And then eventually I was like, oh, like something else is going on. And then when I finally transitioned, um, right. Okay. I guess the hyper-masculine thing and then led to like my gender fluid era where mm-hmm. I was still very mask presenting, like in the face and stuff, I would wear a lot of like flowy clothing and like skirts and stuff that were like very androgynous type skirts mm-hmm. like that kind of thing and so that just kind of like led to where I am now and I just embrace that like gothic aesthetic and to this day I have two moods and it's either like super goth or like on rare rare occasion you will catch me going 70s like what yeah so if actually I'm really glad we didn't have this yesterday because I almost thought we did for a second I had on bell bottoms with like this rainbow on the butt and like <laughs> I had a denim uh, like top that like I tied to be like a crop top and it had like these flowers all over it. So like, 
That's, That's too much. amazing. I love that. Um, definitely feel like we're going to get some requests for like outfit videos of your 70s looks. Um, but I, I love that this kind of leads me into one of my other questions, which is like you are an out visible trans woman on the internet like that's a pretty wild place to be a really like a position to be in and I just I would love for you to talk about what that experience is like in today's difficult climate surrounding trans folks and like Mm -hmm. what your identity on the internet, like how that relates to you as a person and also how you can break away from that as well. Because like, obviously that's not your whole self, just like any of us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wish I could answer it better, but like at the end of the day, I, I, I don't know what it's not like, I don't know what it's like to not be a trans woman on the internet. So like, maybe like, cause like everyone, like, they're detractors for all sorts of reasons. There are people who comment on your videos about like progressive stuff, like like they're anti-progressive or they're anti-Appalachian or they see us all as like backwards hicks. And yeah. I think like being a trans woman is no different than being any other marginalized or even just othered identity because like you're always going to have those detractors. And I will say, um, can I talk about something else? Like it's tangentially related. Sure. Um, yeah, of course. I'm going to try to make this as anonymous as possible because I do want to keep this person anonymous. Yeah. Um, the other day I was actually getting a dulcimer strung up at a local music shop um, back home. Uh, also, I moved to Boone. Uh, I, I you live in Boone, North Carolina? I, I live, I, as of like three days ago. Oh my God. Uh, oh my God. I went to App State. I have so many recommendations for you. Um, let, let's just like talk later. <laughs> let's just be absolutely. friends. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, the other day I was getting a dulcimer strung up at a local music store because I found an antique dulcimer in like this antique store and I got it for $35 and we got it strung up. It works fairly well. It's got a banjo bridge on it that we like, you know, kind of like chopped away at a little bit and like That's made so me like, funny. Uh, like string runs or whatever. So I was there and this guy comes in, he looks at me, he's like in his 30, he's 35, 40. Um, and he looks at me, he goes, I follow you on TikTok. And I was like, I was like, okay, and this is in Franklin County. This is not in Boone. This is in like my home county. And he, I was like, oh yeah, hi, sex He's like, you're like a really good banjo player. Like, uh, and his dad was in a, a really good bluegrass band out of Franklin County. Um, and so like, we talked a little bit about that. And then as I got like the banjo or the uh, dulcimer strung up and I started to leave, he like follows me out to my truck. Um, and a man in his like mid thirties following me to my truck has happened a lot in my life, especially as a trans woman, um, especially as a, and again, I don't want to like talk about passing politics or whatever, but as someone who it, at least if you're not familiar with trans women, I pass and like yeah. that kind of thing. So like this happens a lot where like men will follow me out and like hit on me or like that kind of thing. But anyway, he like comes up to me. He's like, I believe that things happen for a reason. And I came in here today to do something different. And I ended up running into you. And I was like, oh God, oh God, what is he going to do? What is he going to say? And he was like, he's like, and I know about your situation and like um, something I've noticed about old country folk, especially old country boys, the nicest ones will call it your situation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. They'll always call it your situation. And it's like me being trans, my situation, it's no different than like, 
I don't know. Then your mom being, having to move into your home. Yeah. They say this is your situation for everything. Yeah. I've I've heard that so many times in my life. Yeah. Absolutely. I've never Uh, noticed. I've never put it together, but you're totally right. Yeah. So he like, he's like, I know about your situation. And I was like, okay. Um, and again, this is going to be super anonymous. Cause like, I don't want anyone else to know about this. Um, he basically says that like, uh, he's like, so I'm still like nervous what he's going to do, what he's going to say. He's like, I have a son who's about 11 years old. And I was like, okay. And he was like, he wanted to grow out his nails this summer. I'll let him do that. And he painted them. And now he wants to like grow out his hair and like wear it long. And I was like, okay. And I was like, I looked at some people he followed on TikTok and it's like, some trans women and I was like okay and he's like what can I do to make sure he feels the most safe and comfortable <laughs> and oh like my god yeah absolutely so it was like and this is a guy from, how did you not just like shatter into a million pieces right there that's amazing I did on the drive home I stayed very like calm and collected and I was like I was like absolutely and we we walked through these different options like what this could mean for his son or potentially not his son in the future and all that kind of thing and that just like he's like you know I just kids get bullied no matter what in middle school and like I can't imagine it being any better for for this reason and I was like it's like yeah it wasn't easy when I was that age and so and I wasn't even like out at that point I was just like people visibly could tell that I was clear at that age but they weren't like they were like, oh, something Ooh, wrong. this is really good to me. Yeah, I'm so sorry. This is very <laughs> no, like- no, no, no. Don't be, don't be sorry. This is powerful. I, 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 I feel like people need to hear this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I'm trying to keep this as honest as possible. Cause like, I don't want anyone. To, and I, I just want to tell that story because like, this is just a good old boy from Franklin County. Yeah. This is just a good old Appalachian dude. He's literally, he, he is just a very, like, he's just a country boy. He's a country yeah. boy, but like, you know, he's like every other mid thirties man I've met living in Appalachia. And here he is being extremely accepting. And that's the side of Appalachia that no one sees. And yeah. I think that exists more in Appalachia than I've seen anywhere else. And maybe that's not the experience of everywhere. You know, I've been told that it's worse some places uh, in like different parts of Appalachia, but like, at least from my experience in the Southern Blue Ridge, like people are nothing but kind. Even yeah. even the people who really don't understand it, I've noticed have been nothing but kind to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. I love that that's your in-person interactions. And it's it's similar to um we we had a rabbi on a couple of weeks ago and I asked him about the rise in anti-Semitism. And it was like a very similar answer that like the people individually people may not understand or they may not agree with you uh, either theologically for him or, you know, they may not agree with, you know, I I don't really know how to even say that because like with your situation. (laughs) Exactly. But like, I, I've, I have experienced that too. Um, and, and I, I, I totally understand that's not everybody's experience, but I do think that it's important to highlight those good experiences too. Um, so just like one more question on this subject, uh, when you create, I mean, what you're, what you're making is art. Like it just is, um, it's funny that like, I mean, I'm sure that there are some people who don't think that like TikTok or reels or any of that is like an art form, but like it really is. And you have to, you have to be good at it, um, to make it work. And so like what parts of yourself do you draw from most when you're making your work? 
so it's actually really funny. I was talking to my friend about this the other day. Um, I think that they knew me from TikTok before they knew me in person, but then we met in person about a year and a half ago at a Fiddler's convention and we got to talking and they actually have played backup for me uh, at when I competed at Galax last year. Um, and they're an incredible bass player and guitar player. I'm not going to mention their name because I don't know if they would want me to do that. Yeah. But I was like, so like online, like, do I come across different? And they're like, no, you were like so much the same person. And I'd say that overall, most of my TikToks, I'm being me. Like when I'm pissy on there and I'm being snappy and like maybe like kind of shitty to some people, that's me. I, yeah. I have the temper of my granny and the patience of my father. And that's not to say I have much patience. Like, so it's, I, I, I would say that what you see on there is probably 99% me. The only difference is like, I don't know. I think I look better in person. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I do too. I totally get that. <laughs> no, I feel better. Um, that is, that's amazing. I, people, that, that, I think that's why people like you. You come across as really authentic. Um, I, I absolutely love that. So back to Hillbilly Gothic, absolutely. what are, what are your goals for Hillbilly Gothic? Um, so I do want to transition to like a, a music career at some point. I really like what I do right now. I don't want to discuss my day job on here, but I'll talk to you about it later. Um, but I really, really like my day job, but part of me has always been like inclined to music. Even when I didn't right. play, I always was like, I'd love to be a musician one day. I never thought it'd happen. And so I want to like actually start putting out music soon. I want to like, uh, I'm, I wrote a couple tunes recently. Um, I want to start like, you know, recording them and like getting that out there and like playing with people like in a more professional setting. I've had a couple gigs. Um, I'm playing at the IBMAs this year. I was just about to ask. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, my parents are going to be there and I'm going to oh hook God. you up with my parents and they're going to introduce you to everybody. <laughs> oh my God. No, I have to meet your dad. When I found out your dad was the uh, banjo player for, um, Balsam oh Range. <laughs> Balsam Range. I almost said a completely different band, but, uh, um, uh, blue class, uh, blue collar blues. Is that the song? Blue collar dreams. Blue yeah. Collar dreams. Oh my God. That song is so good. And like so many of their songs are so, so good. Yeah. Like, he is like one of the best banjo players out there for real. Um, I, so yes, uh, we will do, <laughs> we're going to connect later. <laughs> I am going to, I'm going to give you my mom's phone number. She's going to be so excited to meet you. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Um, so that's amazing. I I really hope that you're able to record soon. I, and I'm really glad you're getting out there. That's exciting. And I think that I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Now is a really exciting time to get into bluegrass. Um, and I think that it's changing and growing and evolving and in really cool ways. And I love it when the people who I see who are entering it are like actually Appalachian people carrying on their family traditions and stuff Absolutely. like that. I just love it. So if if people want to support your work and want to support Hillbilly Gothic, is there a way that they can do that? For right now, I'm taking donations on like, you know, Venmo and stuff like that. And um, I was especially doing that when I was unemployed. But now that I do have a job, I haven't really been up, keeping up with that. I haven't actually posted in a couple of weeks because I've been so busy starting this new job. Mm -hmm. But I'll be posting again soon. And I am going to start a Patreon probably at in the next couple of weeks. So okay. I'll be doing that as a way to like kind of drum up stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of uh Oh, and I think you might have, and then we can get 
I, but yeah, that's kind of how to support me. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok. Um, but you mentioned family tradition stuff. Yeah. Something that like my family has been going to, uh, the fillers convention since it started, except uh, Galax fillers convention specifically, except they stopped going during my dad's, like in my dad's lifetime. And I wonder if you had this experience, but like I had a, um, I've noticed that in like certain areas that are more um, industrialized, um, there is almost an Americanization of Appalachian culture, especially in like our parents' generation and then our generation, especially to the point where I feel like the only people in our generation who are, um, I don't know, I can say actively Appalachian, but are um, more culturally Appalachian are those who are intentionally being Appalachian and trying to preserve those uh those traditions and that history of their families. So. Yeah. Yeah. I I've encountered that too. And um, like my family has been in the same holler since the 1700s. We don't know how long, like it is just in, literally in the same holler. And uh, it's like, it's like us and the Hensons and the Smathers and like that, that's Western North Carolina. <laughs> oh and um, so I, my dad, none of my family was musical and none of the Pruitts really were until my dad and they had other traditions and they, they were big storyteller. Pruitts are big storytellers. And, uh, but I, I also, I think that my dad's generation, which he's, he had me older. So he's in his seventies. Um, my dad's generation, I feel like really like in their later life, they, they went off, did their thing. And then now in their later life are like really intentionally doing the work of being Appalachian and trying to pass that to their kids and their grandkids. And I think that that resurgence of love and like the renaissance of Appalachian culture is happening now because like, we're the kids who listen to the Stanley brothers and like, we're the kids who, who our parents like tried to instill that in us when, when they like got past their like Roman days, you know? And, um, I, I really, really feel that. And I, I feel like there's something really, really cool and special going on right now in Appalachia, just because there's, the conversation is here. It's being recognized as a culture. It's being recognized as having its own, like we're, we're unique people, which is very needed for our region because people for so long had the identities of like being a rural American or whatever, but like, but like understanding that they're like other people who did those same things did molasses making and like had a sorghum harvest, like all of that, like that stuff that we all grew up with. And we have these shared lived experiences, which is really just so special, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I have one last question and then I'm happy to like take the conversation wherever you want to take it. If we haven't hit something. Um, and, and if we get, if we get into like something great, Chuck can like replace it and in, in a better part in the conversation. So, oh, okay. um, is there like a particular message that you would like for people to hear? I, I feel like some of what you do is like funny and some of it is like political some of it is activism and and i i really like if there was something that you had this this platform to tell people something or a message you'd like to share i feel like it's something i've kind of already said a little bit but i can definitely repeat it now and it's that like appalachia is not this like super backwards place yes there are you know backwards people but i even in my experiences those like even those uh, that are like 
actively antagonistic towards, you know, marginalized communities, they are in a smaller minority than the minority communities themselves. Now, that's not to say that, like, there is not, you know, um, um, complacency with those people that shouldn't be there. Like, obviously, like, you know, if someone's being actively antagonistic towards, like, you know, marginalized communities, that person should be, like, ostracized from the community and not necessarily just, like, tolerated. But, like, I would say that that type of, like, really loud, like, anti, you know, progressive type of person exists in the same margins. Like, I'd say the average person is is pretty chill. Like, like even like the guy who like I get my music stuff from, he's he, he's over at Franklin Music. I'm gonna I'm gonna plug Clay right now. Clay is this guy at Franklin Music. If you're ever in Franklin County, stop at Franklin Music. He will do absolutely anything for you. He's working with me with my Find a Banjo program so I can get more people banjos so they can like learn and like embrace their traditions. And he he when he learned he's he also this is this is the first time I started to notice the your situation comment because he also called it that and he's like I don't know what to call it but he's like he's like you know I never he's like you've changed my mind on a lot of things that I felt before I met you and he was like (laughs) he's just said a lot of really funny stuff that like he's extremely progressive and he doesn't even realize it's progressive it's just like like the whole like is it gay to like a trans woman he like he, he, he talked about that one time where he was talking about like one of his friends talking, it was either about me or some other trans woman. And like, someone was like, was like, well, I don't know if I could be like attracted to her. Cause I think that's gay. And he's like, well, it's not gay. Like you're attracted to like someone that looks like a woman. And he's like, you're not attracted to someone that looks like a man. You're attracted to someone that looks like a woman. And this man is in his like sixties in oh. Franklin County, Virginia and in, in like the bluegrass community. Like, and it was just, it was so funny because like, this is not like, you know, someone who is, you know, online discourse person, like this man, I'm sure doesn't even know what Tumblr or TikTok really is. Right. And yet he <laughs> is like, in a very real sense, more progressive than a lot of people who like are in, what's what I'm looking for? Discourse that are in discourse, that are talking about these kind of things. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's very funny that like, so if you're ever in Franklin, and this is anybody, if you're ever in Franklin County, Virginia, stop in uh, Franklin Music. It's in on the border of Rocky Mount and Boone's Mill. Incredible store. Literally, you walk in and there's, it's just instruments everywhere. It's like, oh. imagine if you took all the instruments in a large music store, like Guitar Center, made them more like, first cheaper, because it's way cheaper there, but like more, <laughs> um, I don't know, I'm not going to necessarily, I'm not going to crap on Guitar Center. Um, I will crap on their banjos because they never, no one, please do not buy a banjo guitar center. It's not going to be well set up. It's yeah, not. Don't do be, it. It's so bad. But like, I don't know about enough about guitar or anything, but you walk into class, you can find fiddles, banjos, mandolins, dulcimers. And if you bring one in, he'll help you string it up. He'll help you set it up. And like, this man barely charges me for things. Like yeah. he, I traded in my old banjo, which was uh, that, that white and gold one. I used to play a lot. Yeah. I traded that in recently and he gave me a fiddle from the early 1900s. So I'm learning fiddle now on that. And like, I was like, well, do I need anything? He's like, well, here, here's a case and here's strap. Here's a strap. Here's a, a neck brace. Here's or a neck uh, holder. I don't know what that's called. I don't know fiddle very well yet. But like, <laughs> he, he's just been incredible. Yeah. And, this type of person exists all over Appalachia and you know, I just, 
Yeah. I don't know. I love that. I love that you represent our region. I love that you love this place as much as I do, it seems. Um, and I just, I really, I thank you for your time in doing this. Um, and, and I hope that a lot of people hear this and a lot of people go and listen to your music and follow you. And I, I really think that you being such a, an outspoken advocate for yourself and like standing up for yourself and saying like, I am, I'm a, I'm a human being and I play music and this is what I, this is who I am and what I'm doing. Like, that's so powerful. And I, I mean, that's when anybody embodies who they really are, there's something magical about it. And uh, you should just know that you have that about you. You just are so sure of yourself and who you are. And I love that. So it turns out the discussion that we're going to have for Under the Radar is now irrelevant at the time that we're publishing. It wasn't at the time that we recorded this, but at the time we're publishing now, uh, it turns out that the medical advisor born in West Virginia has tabled the discussion of capping THC limits in West Virginia. So there you have it. We cut that part, and we hope that you've enjoyed this episode. And that'll do it for this episode today. Please check out all the links in our show notes, including for Reed Appalachia, for Vanishing Postcards, for Cornbread Hemp, for our friends at Starry Eyes Media, and of course, for our friend Cloverlin, a.k.a. Hillbilly Gothic, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Appalachia is a production of Politic and Grin. This show is produced by Chuck Cora and hosted by Chuck Cora and Callie Pruitt. None of the views expressed on this show reflect the views of either Chuck or Callie's employers, and it never will.